And we are live right now. We are playing a little Last of the Mohicans for all of those who are listening. I thought that was what it was. Yeah, I have... Um, so when I'm not doing the podcasting thing and I'm trying to write, I, I can't write with music that has lyrics because... I get distracted and I start yes, singing along exactly. and like all of a sudden lyrics are showing up in my writing. Um, so I end up having soundtrack music and I've just been on a soundtrack kick as of late and I've, I've developed a pretty sizable soundtrack playlist that I have here. So that's going to be kind of our, our background music for today. I feel that's kind of appropriate because we're going to be talking about movies and, and other such pieces of media. Um, mm-hmm. Side note here too, since we're we're live and this is just kind of our cold open, we're just kind of shooting the shooting the shit here a little bit. Um, I ha- all of your um, your podcast that you sent me, all of the um, fantastic forums are up. They're up on the oh, iTunes. Cool. Yeah. So we'll publicize that too. People can hear all. I that. appreciate that. Of course. <laughs> when the train comes in, everybody rides. <laughs> My man. That's what we try to go for. I'm going to see if I can maneuver this so that I can actually go live on Facebook while I'm doing this, too, because that would be pretty awesome. Oh, and it's even okay. at a jaunty angle. Like, I'm... Okay, that'll work. Like, I'm tri- hip and trendy and stuff. Let's let's do that. Let's go live. <laughs> I'm entertained by my own shenanigans. That's not good. <laughs> that's, that's never good. <laughs> it's not necessarily a good thing, but for all of those of you who are watching on Facebook, hello... You should click on the link. It's right there. It's www.mixler.com slash fxbgpublicradio. Because right now, when you're listening to me do my thing as I point at you, oddly, on Facebook, you're not hearing the other person in this conversation, and that is Mr. Ulysses Campbell of Fantastic Forum, um, of WERA, Arlington in the Morning, of many and other sundry things that he does. Uh, but you should tune in and listen, because you'll be able to hear that. You'll be able to hear Yuli. Uh, you'll be able to hear the awesome music that we got going on in the background, too. Um, but you'll also be able to hear the rest of our conversation that we're going to be having. We're going to be talking movies. Um, <laughs> I like that you commented on the video. Really. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. You like that? I'm glad that there's one person There's one person who's watching, and it's the other guy who's on the show with me. So. <laughs> that works out really, really well. It's an audience of one. As long as we're keeping each other entertained, then we're fine. <laughs> you know? Um, but we're going to be talking about like the big movies that are going to be coming up here, which is uh, we got Avengers Infinity War coming up. We've got uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, we've also got um, Deadpool 2. And, I mean, these are going to be the big summer blockbusters, uh, among other movies that have already come out this year that are already big blockbusters, uh, such as Black Panther. Um I saw that uh, the one that you had just recently reviewed, uh, Rampage, was uh, number one at the box office, and that was pretty interesting because it looked like kind of a garbage movie that nobody would really, really want to see. But um, Well, it's got The Rock in it. Well, it's got The Rock in it, yeah, of course. Every, everybody wants to see The Rock. Yeah. So, and we'll even talk about that a little bit, too, but you guys should tune in. Tune in to Mixler.com. Uh, listen to what we've got to say. Um, we're going to have all sorts of other fun things. We're going to talk about my trip to Disney that I just had. Uh, that just ended a couple days ago, unfortunately. I wish it was still there because it's cold and chilly here in Virginia where it was like 90 degrees in Florida and awesome. <laughs> but definitely come check us out. Uh, listen to the show because we are live right now. Oh, my friend Sarah just joined. Hi, Sarah. And Casey. Wow, look at this. See, as soon as I'm ready to go and as soon as I'm done with the video, people are tuning in. So I guess I'll have to stay for a minute. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to hear the second side of this conversation, uh, definitely go to the Mixler link, uh, and you can do those things that I just said. 
Uh, but tune in, listen up to our show, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Because you can chat in the Mixler chat room with us, and I will be able to answer your questions live on the air. Bam. God, I forgot how good this soundtrack is, too. Oh, that's some good stuff, at yeah. last of the Mohicans. It really so, yeah. is. And, mm-hmm. like, it's it's a movie that I've I've probably seen a dozen times, and it's it's one of those ones where I don't have cable anymore. But when I did, if it, if it just happened to be on cable, I would drop what I was doing and watch that movie because it's, it's that good. And it's, it's beautifully yeah. shot, too. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Jones and Randy Edelman were the composers on that. Yeah, they, they definitely did good stuff for sure. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, part of what got me about that movie, um, when uh, the, the guy uh, cut the girl's father's heart out. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. I was like. Damn! I'm going to end I your. The first time I saw that movie, I was like, yeah. "Damn!" I'm going to end your life and end your line right here, and you're just like, "Oh snap!" Yeah. Yeah, they broke it down to him. White hair, know that I will put your children under the knife, <laughs> and then proceeded to cut his heart out. Oh. I was like, "Damn!" Yeah, that movie is that movie is mm-hmm. awesome, but just like, yeah, the the whole thing too, like that that last scene where they're along the cliffs. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was sad. That was, was sad. But, you know, I had to wonder. It's like, all right, you're planning on killing her. You cut her father's heart out. You go hold out your hand and have the nerve to be like, come on, what are you doing? It's like, of no. course I'm going to jump. No, baby. Baby, don't do that. Come on. Don't be crazy. Like, it was yeah, it was, it was, was kind of weird. It was like, you're really going to – okay, all right. Well, I guess if you have to, I'm giving you an out here. Well, rather than let the savage get her, you know, that was uh... – yeah, what good white women did back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> we are starting this show off on the right foot. There. <laughs> hey, you pick the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm just sure. running with it. Oh, okay. All right, fine. It's, it's my fault. Okay, I'll take blame for this. I will accept this with grace yeah. and dignity. But it is but it is a really great soundtrack. It really is. And yeah. I tell you what, that was the first thing that I saw Daniel Day-Lewis in, too. And... Uh, I had no idea of his range, you know. I mean, I'm looking at this thing. Stay alive, no matter the cost. I will find you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. Well, he that's was, true love there. And he was a badass, too. Like, he was just, mm-hmm. he was wrecking people in that movie. And then, like, the fact that the, I mean, essentially, the last of the Mohicans, like, the older guy, like, he had to yeah, watch his son exactly. die. That was just awful. But the older guy was a badass, too, where he was just clubbing people with that uh, <sighs> that rifle stock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ended up getting that dude. Who yeah. killed it? Well, the dude killed his son, which was really jacked up. Oh, yeah. But man, you know, it's like, yeah. I particularly like there that one move where he like rolled and he like rolled under, you know, the club the other guy was using, and he popped up and hit him from the back or what. I was yeah. like, oh, that was just that was just that was a tough fight. It was, man. But it was again just a great movie. Um, one of my one of my favorites, I think. I think like when it comes to that that category of movie, that that's one of the best. I think that's kind of the gold standard when it comes to that period piece sort of stuff. I think uh, too many times you see things like like Mel Gibson's The Patriot, where it's just nowhere near historically accurate, and it's just just for the sake of exploding uh, things and and has nothing to do with anything close to what actually happened. But you know, the Patriot was a real fun movie. It was. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned it. Yeah, it was fun. This is true. It was, it was a ghost. <laughs> it was a ghost. <laughs> it's like, Oh man. All right, now, At least I will kill you before the war is out. <laughs> it's oh, like, man. Oh, why wait? <laughs> On that note, 
It is 10 minutes after 8 o'clock on the East Coast here. Let's go ahead and get this party started here. This is GGR Pirate Radio live on FXBG Public Radio. We are with Ulysses Campbell of Fantastic Forum. You guys stay tuned because we are going to have an awesome show. But let's go ahead and hit that theme music. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> Run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same damn thing. So you just put him in the morgue. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... The Great Pirate Wobblers is here for you. Yoink! Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. What's in the box? Kill her! This is called Pirate Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford and this is GGR Pirate Radio live on FXBG Public Radio. We have got an awesome show in store for you this evening. Uh, we're running one person light. We were going to have uh, co-founder of GGR, Steve Monick, with us, but unfortunately his little boy is sick. So uh, we are wishing uh, little Jack a uh, quick and speedy recovery for sure. Um, and all of the best to uh, Steve and his uh, lovely wife, Mandy. Um, but tonight we have got Mr. Ulysses Campbell uh, of Fantastic Forum of WERA. Uh, in fact, you might have seen him pop up on an episode of Homeland. Uh, on a couple of other things, too. This dude is all over the place. But everybody, a warm and rousing welcome for Mr. Ulysses Campbell. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Um, hey, I love that uh, opening. Oh, that's, yeah. that's new. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my baby. I love that one, too. <laughs> well, it's, it's exceptionally well done. You have some real talent. Flattery will get you everywhere, sir. <laughs> See, look at that. You even got a round of applause. All right. Um, so tonight we are going to be discussing, I know, one of your favorite topics because uh, for Fantastic Forum, you oftentimes have uh, movie reviews of the newest and the latest and the greatest uh, films that people of the geek persuasion like to see. Uh, in fact, I think the most recent one you did was for uh, The Rock Vehicle, which was Rampage. Rampage, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Uh, which you can actually check out. You can check out on Mixcloud, on SoundCloud. You can check it out on Facebook if you go to the Fantastic Forum uh, Facebook page. It's actually on iTunes, too, because hint, hint, nudge, nudge, I created his iTunes feed for him. Uh, yes, he did. Um, but you guys should check that out when you get a chance. Um, Yuli, I wanted to talk to you about about that, too, because as somebody who loves these things, as somebody who gets to go to these movie premieres and see them essentially a few days before anybody else does. Does it, does it ever get old for you? Are you ever just like, man, I don't feel like going to see this piece of garbage or like, I'm really not interested in this. I would rather just be staying at home and like watching TV with my family. 
Well, it depends. Uh, there are times when I would actually like to do that, but you also want to protect your relationship <laughs> with the people who are in a position to get you into these pictures. And so uh, that means going out and seeing them. And uh, the, the, it isn't even so much the going out and seeing them part yeah. that gets a little tedious. It's the fact that you have to review them. I mean, you know, they... they let you in as a working professional to see them with the understand that you're going to write a review that you will share on your show or your site or whatever means by which it is you are using to connect to the broader fandom. And uh, that's the part that um, I wasn't too crazy about. And uh, But now I'm a lot more comfortable with it uh, to the point where um, coming up this Tuesday – uh, is when I uh, go to the screening of Infinity War. Yeah. It's a midday screening, <clears throat> but I am going to write the review and record it that evening. <laughs> and ordinarily, yeah. I uh, tr well, traditionally, I shouldn't say ordinarily so much, but traditionally, my preference has been to uh, to take a day at least and sleep on it and see how I feel about the film the following day, only because I have not always been especially good at managing my expectations of yeah. some of these films. Okay. Yeah. I mean that, that I can kind of vibe with that, especially too, with like movies like uh, a perfect example would be uh, star Wars, the last Jedi. Like when I came out of the theater for that one, I was just elated. I was like, this is such a good movie. I don't know why there was such negative press from it. I don't know why everybody was hating on it, but it, it took me a couple of days of just kind of like thinking on it myself. And I was like, I still enjoy this movie, but there were some things that were missing. Like, is there, is there ever any pressure for you where you, you have these relationships, like you said, where you, you know, essentially they want you to give a good review because your review may bring more people to the box office for them where you see a piece of garbage and you're just like, I, this movie sucked, but you feel pressure to and essentially like put a good review out there for them. Well, they, they know where, and the studios know too. Um, usually when there is a film that is, uh, not going to be a particularly good film yeah. uh, because they have embargoes on the reviews. And so yeah. now usually the local embargo is uh, a little more restrictive than the national embargo. Yeah. So let's say a movie opens on Friday. If it's a film that isn't going to be particularly well-received, the embargo might not lift until Wednesday, you know? So where, uh, for other films where they know it's going to be good, uh, the embargo has already lifted by the time you see it. And as quick as you can get your review out, they're interested in you having it out. But, um, you know, I mean, they, they know when these things are dogs. And they also expect that the reviewers are going to retain some integrity about yeah. uh, the, whatever it is they're doing. And so, I mean, I, I it, but this is one of the ways that I've kind of, I dress it up because in my reviews, and they're all spoiler free yeah. for anybody who is interested in checking them out. Yeah. But um, I, I try and talk about the totality of the film. And so, um, you know, because my mother taught me, if you can't say something nice, don't say something at all. But I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's like, for example, <clears throat> with Rampage. Yeah. Okay. This was this was a dog of a movie. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> honest with you. This movie was a dog. Yeah. Now, um, it just so happens that due to the nature of modern filmmaking even a lousy movie is likely to be it may have production values the, you know, the effects are going to be good 
Uh, it's going to be technically, it's likely to have been well shot, you know, with all professional films. Because what I, the two elements I found that absolutely ruin your films quicker and more profoundly than any other elements is bad sound and bad lighting. So with, with Hollywood movies, the sound's going to be great. The lighting's going to be great. You know, you can see how bad it sucks, like the whole way through. And they will have professional, uh, you know, and when I say professional actors, I'm talking about union people here, you know. So um, everybody is going to uh, approach the craft a certain way in terms of getting into their characters yeah. and what they show you. Now, um, it just so happens that The Rock is a... He's a serious movie star. I mean, you know, this guy, yeah, he's, he's in these Fast and the Furious movies and, you know, all the, but he's, he's, the audience has embraced him. In fact, yeah. one of the things that I say, and I love this line in the review is audiences never tire of the affable former pro wrestler. And true. it's true. I mean, this guy, he's likable, he's funny, and, um, and he's not a half bad actor. And so, you go in there, and, and part of what you are enjoying is watching him do all these ridiculous, outlandish, heroic things, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, particularly for a movie like Rampage, uh, for example, uh, at one point he's in a helicopter accident. Now, helicopter accident, you don't just walk away from a helicopter accident. Not only, he doesn't simply walk away, he crawls out of the wreckage and runs away, you know? And I'm thinking, you should have all manner of internal injuries and all this kind of thing. But, um, you know, the other thing that they've done uh, with, and frequently with this character, I've noted that um, his characters always have some sort of military training in their background. So now it happens that he's a primatologist in this movie, but he's also former Green Beret Special Forces Ranger. Yeah, because all ex Green Berets go to primatology after their tours, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 primatologist recruiters just standing outside the enlistment offices. So, like, when you're signing your paperwork as you're leaving your tour of duty, they're like, "Hey, you want to study apes?" And you're like, "Sure." That has absolutely nothing to do with what I've just been doing for the past 20 years of my life. Yeah, why not? Why not after being a Green Beret? Let me study apes. Just just on a whim. Like, what the oh. hell? <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So, you know, so it's all, you know, very implausible. But, yeah. you know, it, 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 suspension of disbelief is part of these yeah. movies. And so, but like I said, it, it's a real dog. And, you yeah. know, the... Um, uh, the outfit that uh, is handling the marketing of these things, they, like I said, they understand and they, they fully expect. I mean, the worst part for me is because you have to copy them on the review. I don't know who actually listens or reads or watches or whatever these things. But in some, I suspect they probably don't. I mean, they just want to make sure that you have actually put the thing out there because it would be so incredibly tedious. I don't even think you could have a intern go through and actually read, listen to, watch, you know, all these various reviews. But no, I, I, to, to answer your question, I don't feel the slightest bit of pressure to do. Well, okay, unless, well, and no, actually I don't. I was going to say unless it's like a big film like a Last Jedi. But you don't have to feel any pressure with that because there are going to be enough outlets that give a movie like that a good review to where you don't have to worry about it. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and if you want to have any credibility with 
the audience that is watching you or listening to you or reading you, you know, then you tell it like it is. And, um, you know, quite, quite honestly, I would love to get some feedback on the Rampage review because I think it's funny as hell. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it, as like I said, so in addition to uh, the performances and the actors, you know, I mean, if the music is good, I'll talk about that. I'll talk about the length of it. You'll always be able to find out from listening to one of my reviews whether or not you can take your kids, whether or not there needs to be any concern on the part of what you're showing your kids. You know, because actually they missed out on a wonderful opportunity with Rampage uh, to have explored some uh, deeper and more profound aspects. I mean, because, uh, you know, the the without giving a lot away, I mean, the yeah. plot is that this gorilla and this crocodile and this wolf are exposed to uh, this substance which alters their DNA and it yeah. causes them to grow into giant size and go on a rampage and all that. And, um, you know, genetic engineering, well, that's pretty provocative. And you could really, I mean, if, if it were a more serious kind of film, you know, there were all sorts of things that could have been explored as far as the morality of this yeah. and the frightening nature of it. I mean, all that was too highbrow for this movie, quite <laughs> frankly. But, you know, there yeah. are all sorts of things that you – directions in which you could have gone yeah. if you were – if it was going to be more well-written than gotcha. it was. You know, but, hey, when I found out that this thing was based on a video yeah. game, that and, basically told me everything. And, like, not a good video game either. <laughs> like, that's the thing is, like, okay, so with Rampage, the, the basic premise was is you're, like – you're either a giant lizard Godzilla or you're a giant gorilla, mm. you, you know, mm. King Kong. So, and there was like a, a very like loose story where it was like, okay, originally you were a person and you're, you just turn into this monster and then you just destroy stuff. The fact that they were able to make a movie out of this, just like they were able to make a movie out of battleship. Like they're, they're just, are they that desperate for anything that people can remember from their past to connect a movie to? That's what I'm wondering is, like, did you really have to make this based on the video game that really, like, nobody – I guarantee you that there were no gamers ever that sat around and were like, man, I really wish that they would make a Rampage game because nobody cares about Rampage. <laughs> well, like, but some of those board games, I mean, because yeah. you, you, you remember in Battleship, yeah. at one point – they actually were playing Battleship. I mean, they had oh, these God. buoys, and it was like B sixteen, you know. And all crying this. out loud, like yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah but the one yeah. uh, of all of those movies, and of course, we all were laughing about this when it first came out, and saying, "Well, what's next?" Oh, I know, Hungry Hungry Hippos, the movie. You know? <laughs> but um, no, the, the the one that I really liked was Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Excuse me, Real Steel. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Wait a minute, no. Are you serious? Was that based on Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Of course it was. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. No way. Was it? No way. Of course it was. Oh, Come on. Robots hang in on. the ring fighting each other? Hang on. Hang Come on. on. Real Mike, steel. What do you think hang on. that was? Hang on. Come on, Internet. Don't fail me now. Real Steel <laughs> based on Rock'em Sock... God, I feel stupid for even typing this in. <laughs> the Internet's just going to be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> the film is based on the short story Steel, written by Richard Matheson, which was originally published in May '56 yeah, edition yeah, of the magazine yeah, look, of fantasy yeah. and sci-fi. Look up, look up, look up, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. We all had Rock'em Sock'em Robots, man. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Knock his block off. <laughs> yeah. Um, just in general, though, like it, it's it, it it's something that I've always had an issue with. In general, that that Hollywood will go after the easy low low hanging fruit. 
when it comes to movies. And we see this all the time, too. What they'll do is they'll take a TV series from, like, the 50s or 60s that really anybody who legitimately watched that show is probably not going to be interested in going to the movie theaters now because that's not the demographic they're going for. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, sh- the movie that they made. Uh, Get Smart, which coincidentally had The Rock in it. Mm-hmm. But, like, the people who watched Get Smart when they were kids are not really interested in going to the movie theaters to go see a movie with The Rock and Steve Carell. And, like, it, it just – I don't understand the need to do this. Why, why not just call it something else? You know, you could have made a spy movie with them and had it be funny and not call it Get Smart. It just – it seems it seems like they're pandering. Like, I'm, I'm just surprised that we haven't seen more of that, though. Why have we not seen a Gilligan's Island movie? Why have they not rebooted that, you know? Like, it's – what is it with some of those properties that, that are okay with doing movies and some of them are not? You know, give it time. They'll get around to some of those. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure you just have to, you know, find the right people to cast in those roles. Um, you know, it, it's it, people it frequently make the claim that Hollywood is out of original ideas. And yeah. That's why they're doing all these reboots. That's actually not the case. Uh, the truth is, is that while Hollywood, it, Hollywood isn't bereft of ideas, but they don't want to risk movies failing. And so yeah. the expectation is is that if you do a remake or a reboot, there's this existing audience for the original franchise that is going to be more willing to embrace this, and that increases the likelihood that your uh, project is going to be successful. And, and that's what they're really after. I mean, they, they, they just want to minimize the likelihood of failure. I mean, as more of these movies are um, tentpole movies, yeah. so to speak, where you know tens of thousands, in some cases hundreds of millions of dollars spent on the budgets in these pictures. I mean, you know, it's not unusual. In fact, I want to say that for uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, I mean, I believe the budget was upwards of $200 million. And when you're spending that kind of money on this thing, you know, you want to have a reasonable expectation that you're going to get your money back. And the other thing is when you spend that kind of money on a movie, not only do you need to recoup the original money you spent, but on, on a movie like that, you probably spent an additional $100 million in marketing. And so basically you need, to, you need to get back about two to three times what you spent on that movie. So, you know, for a $200 million movie, you know, once you get up to like – 400 million, 600 million, that's where you're starting to realize some kind of profit. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, because at one time you could rely on um, video sales or DVD sales, not so much anymore, uh, you know, based on uh, the way those things sell. Now you got to look at um, overseas box office, which is why uh, a movie like uh, the Red Dawn remake didn't use um, China as the villain in the movie it had to be north korea because the chinese market is a huge market yeah and you're not going to be able to make your money if you know china is the enemy in that movie so you know you have to be you know kind of careful in terms of what it is you're doing for those of you who are just tuning in this is ggr pirate radio live uh we've got ulysses campbell of fantastic forum on the air with us in fact this is more of a shout out to all of those who are watching on instagram right now i am live on instagram uh thank you for tuning in 
Um, but there's a link that I just put in the Instagram uh, post. It is www.mixlert.com slash fxbgpublicradio. Uh, FXBG I'm sorry, that's a new link. Um, go to that link because you're only hearing half of the conversation right now. I've got the awesome and talented Ulysses Campbell on the other side of this conversation. You guys should tune in so you, should, uh, so you can hear him too because I'm not just crazy sitting here talking to myself into a microphone. There is another person, I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, tune in. Go to Mixler. Uh, and we will see you there. But for now, Instagram, I will see you guys later. End live video. And share. There we go. Okay. I'm just playing around with all the social media stuff, Yuli, to see uh, if we can get maybe some more listeners or just yeah. trying some new stuff out. Because um, I'll tell you, uh, kind of a tie-in here. Um, while I was on vacation, when I was in mm-hmm. Florida, uh, in Disney World, I was taking tons and tons and tons of pictures. And I was putting them on Instagram. And the, the key with Instagram is you tag it, right? So, like, if you're yeah. in Disney World, you tag it, like, hashtag Walt Disney World. And what it does is it gets more people to see it. It gets it more visible. And because of this, I ended up gaining something like 200 followers on Instagram in a matter of a wow. couple of days. And I was wow. like, yeah, I know. I was amazed, too. I was like, how the hell did I do that? <laughs> like, I didn't realize. I didn't, I didn't know that I could do that. So I'm, try, I'm trying this out to see maybe about expanding our audience and seeing if we can gain some more listeners and viewers of the website and those sorts of things. But um, kind of to tie in, and we didn't really talk about the movie yet, but we will. We'll be talking about uh, – a solo, uh, a Star Wars story here in a little bit. But one of the things that was like the most compelling for me about Disney World, just in general, because I've been a Star Wars junkie since I was a kid, is they are ramping up for Star Wars Land, which will come out, uh, will be open for the public in 2019. Mm. And that is going to be something incredible. I, I can't even begin to describe to you how awesome this is going to be. Like, I don't know how often you travel. Or how far south you're willing to go, but you might need to make a trip to Florida, Mr. Campbell, because the Star Wars land is going to be ridiculous. Like, I took uh, my son, uh, Jax, who's nine, him and I actually took an entire evening to go to Hollywood Studios and ride the one Star Wars ride they have right now, which is called Star Tours. And they've actually changed the video in Star Tours, where there's one that is using the movies that have just recently come out, like The Last Jedi. And they have footage featuring uh, that movie, like the planets that are on there, like the planet of Crate was in there. Um, they had uh, Jakku. They had um, John Boyega had a cameo in the ride. Like you could see his face. He was talking to you. Uh, Poe Dameron, uh, Oscar Isaacs was there too. Same thing with um, Kylo Ren. He showed up for a minute. Um, you saw the guy who played General Hux. They were all in this video. So now that Disney owns the rights to Star Wars, they have more access to this thing. So it gives it a whole nother level that it never had before. And they tease what the Star Wars land is going to look like. They're like, oh, we need to go hide out on this remote planet. And that's kind of the premise for Star Wars land. It's this remote planet on the outskirts of the outer rim um, that you get to exist in, basically. And that they have done an excellent job of teasing this. They have something called the Star Wars launch bay right now. Which is essentially, it's like the cantina from A New Hope. It's got the mm. music playing. There's like little places where you can get drinks and snacks and stuff like that. But also you can meet the characters. And we got to meet Kylo Ren. We got to meet BB-8. We got to meet Chewbacca. Like it was just, they're doing a really, really good job of teasing this and making people get really excited. Because it is, I mean, I'm already sold. Like I, I'm just, take my money now. What, what do I got to do to be here <laughs> when this thing opens? It's and it, for me, it's like a dream come true. It was something that I had wanted to experience since I was a little kid. 
you know, like a, a Star Wars land. I was like, man, I wish I could live on Tatooine and and fly to Yavin Four in an X-wing and and you know try to blow up the Death Star, all these cool things. And now they're going to make that a reality, and it's just it, it's I couldn't ask for more. And the fact that my kid is excited about this too just makes it that much better. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you something, because yeah. I did uh, see, and you might have noticed I liked a whole bunch of the pictures you posted <laughs> while did, you yeah. were down there. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it looked as if they had uh, a full-sized Imperial Walker oh, hanging around. Yes, there. as a matter was, of fact, was, they do. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to be able to – they ought to have a rope hanging down for from it <laughs> that you can climb up. <laughs> And pretend you're throwing a charge in the belly of the thing, man. And then have like a, a, a crash cushion that you can jump onto. Yeah, that yeah, I would totally do that. Um they're actually they're building ATATs in the new Star Wars land. So they're gonna be I got a feeling they're gonna be much more interactive than than this one. Cause this one just stands there and it makes the cool like yeah. laser it makes the cool like laser blast sounds, but that's mm-hmm. about it. Um but the new, I, I'm pretty sure that they got plans for those new ones where they're going to be a oh, lot sure. more interactive than uh, than these. But like, there's oh, also sure. there's a picture of Jax on one of the speeder bikes from Return of the Jedi too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got all sorts of cool stuff there. Like R2 and 3PO mm-hmm. are inside the ride. You can take pictures with them. Like, and I figured, like, we got to meet BB-8, and I figured BB-8 was just going to be like kind of lame. And I was like, oh, look, it's ball, huh? Great. But like, you go up to it, and it talks. It makes the noises. It moves its head around. It lights up, and it's it's really kind of cool. It's, I mean, you and you've been to enough comic uh, comic cons that you have seen this before. Where you see the people who make those R two D D two, yeah, mm-hmm. like droids, basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's something to say when you just look at it and you're like, oh, okay, great. They painted a trash can to look like R two D two, and they've got it moving around on wheels. Great. And then it spins its head around, and it makes the R two noises, and it lights up. And you just kind of you become a five year old kid all over again. You're just like, huh, that's so cool. Can I touch it? Like it's. <laughs> well, assuming you were five when these things came out, <laughs> I was just a little older. But I tell you what, um, yeah. I uh, and and my wife tells me that apparently I said this before. I don't remember, uh, yeah. but I I had the opportunity uh, to see BB-8 at Awesome Con. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, they, apparently they had just done a droid panel. And I was getting ready to moderate the Cress Williams panel. And apparently somebody told these droid guys that Cress Williams was a huge fan of BB-8. So they kept BB-8 out. And when Cress came back, um, you know, he rolled up. And in fact, I took a picture of Cress with BB-8. But, um, you know, before he came out, you know, I mean, because they had to, they took the thing out of the box and, yeah. you know, set it up. And apparently the, the head stays on magnetic, magnetically. Yeah, and I was I was saying I said what this thing really works because I thought it was CG'd or something, but yeah. it really rolls around. And he has so much personality. I mean, yeah. you know, because he can do stuff that R two can't in terms of cocking his head to one side and all this. And I was just so taken with this little droid. And of course, I I feel I've known R two for years, but. I like BB-8 better. <laughs> I mean, I gotta tell you, I was like, "You, sir, I would like to go have a beer with." You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of this. I'm I'm of the same mindset. Like, I'm an R2 guy just because I'm I'm the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But like, my son has fallen in love with BB-8. He thinks BB-8 is the greatest. In fact, I haven't even posted the picture yet. But there's a picture, uh, not a, not a picture, a video I took of Jax meeting BB-8. 
and BB-8 like responding and talking, and Jack's just like giggling because he was so happy. <laughs> like it's it's so cool. Um, but we'll use we'll use that uh, as a pivot point here, and we'll get to. I haven't gotten to use these sound drops in forever. I'm so excited. We get to use my uh, my awesome transition uh, to go from one topic to the next. <laughs> So we were just talking about Star Wars. Um, Star Wars has a new movie coming out, May the 27th, and that is Solo, a Star Wars story. What's your take on this so far, Yuli? Like, it apparently was plagued by some pretty nasty problems in its production. Um, wh- like, so far, like, what is what is your feeling on this? Do you think this is going to be something that's going to be just like the rest of the Star Wars stuff where it essentially prints its own money? Uh, I don't see why not. Uh, and I tell you what, I've seen a lot of people who uh, have not been responding especially well to this movie, uh, to the trailer and, or the trailers at this point. I haven't seen anything that makes me feel uncomfortable at all. Uh, in fact, the most recent trailer, uh, I really got a kick out of. And I think that this guy who they got to be young Han Solo, he looks like a young Han Solo to me. I mean, he seems cocky enough and... You know, I like the way that uh, he has been portrayed. Uh, I really like Donald Glover as young Lando Calrissian. Yeah. He seems to fit the part. Um, I like how uh, the Millennium Falcon looks all clean and new and nice. (laughs) I mean, that's just great. I mean, I I don't see what the problem is. In fact, geez, on the the trailer, you know, when um, uh, Han reacts with some surprise that Chewie knows how to fly and – you know, apparently Chewie tells him how old he is. He's like, what? You're 190? It's like, damn, you look great. <laughs> Whatever. I was just, I was cracking up. Yeah. I'm... I mean, he just seems like such a, a cornball type, which is kind of what you could see from young Han Solo. So I, I don't, I don't see what the problem is. I, mean, I don't, I don't a, get it either. Like it's, it, especially too, because like a lot of people are saying, well, he doesn't sound like Harrison Ford, or he doesn't act like Harrison Ford. Okay, so he's supposed to be in his 20s at this point. Mm-hmm. You tell me, anybody who is exactly the same, that sounds the same, looks the same, acts the same in their 20s as they do in their mid-30s. Because he was in his mid-30s uh, when A New Hope started. Yeah, so that, that's called uh, arrested development. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, either that or you've been smoking too much weed for too long. Well, you know? like, that's a whole other thing. I think they call yeah. them death sticks in Star Wars land, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Either way, you should you should grow and you should progress. Yeah. And cause I'll t- now, one thing I'll tell you, that kid that I saw in the trailer, I don't think he could get away with shooting Greedo first in the bar. <laughs> you know, no. this, is, this this is stuff you learn over time. Yeah. I don't have it with me. Tell yeah. Java, you know, it's like a little yeah. misdirection before you blow his guts out under the yeah. table. You know, I mean, this is... Well, Woody Harrelson's character even says it in the movie. He's like, this is a life that you choose this. You don't go back. So I mm-hmm. think that that's kind of setting the tone for this is going to change this idealistic, you know, fun-loving guy into a, a not that doesn't trust anybody, you know, miscreant or scoundrel as, as yeah, Leia pirate. likes to call him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A smuggler, you yeah, know, exactly. I mean, yeah. A scruffy Even looking I get bored yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I, I think it's gonna be great. I, I'm excited for it. it. It looks like it's gonna be fun. I, uh, I'm with you. I, I think Donald Glover, it was a uh, just fantastic choice for Lando. 
Um, but it even fits too. Like the, the Millennium Falcon was originally Lando's, yeah. and it looks all clean and pretty. And yeah. well, it's it's new. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's not and then, like a bunch of years later, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then Han gets his hands on it, and all of a sudden, it's all beat up. Like it just it fits with those characters, and I think it'll be I think it'll be a fun movie, really. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, uh, one of the things that I liked about uh, the um, the prequels was the way the ships looked because they were shiny stuff was smooth you know one of the things that they really got across in star wars was that um the suggestion particularly with uh the y-wing fighters for example that there had been some additional housing and they just got tired of putting it back on because hey the thing's breaking down so much let's just leave this off it'll be easier to get to um you know, the future, uh, when I was coming up, uh, young fellow, you know, the future was all shiny and bright and all that. And this was the first example of a gritty and kind of dirty future. And it, it all fit. I mean, you know, when because when you see what the real future looks like, I mean, it's just like cities of the future. They were all these shining glass spires and towers and all that. Well, that's not what the future is really going to look like. The future is going to be a mix of old buildings and new buildings. So you're not just going to knock all the old buildings down. They're going to be some old, older looking buildings. And then they're going to be like these newer looking buildings that are built around them that are newer. You know, I mean, that's uh, that, that, that the future, nobody really understood what this thing was going to be, you know, I mean, and star Wars has done a really good job. Uh, conveying kind of what this is like. It was just brilliant of Disney to make that acquisition. Yeah. Uh, you know, $4 billion. I think they've already made their money back. Oh, easily. Just with these, uh, you know, with these first couple of films. Well, you know? the, the films and the fact that, like, one of the things, oh, so kind of tying back back to, to Disney World, one of the things that I absolutely love, and normally I don't give them a shout-out, but I will because um, I'm feeling nice tonight. Um, I wrote an article for Comics Online a while back if you go to comicsonline.com and you search Disney World, it's that easy. You just search Disney World, and my article that I wrote about Disney World is on there. Um, I wrote that in years past when you went, you saw little boys dressed as, you know, Jedi or as stormtroopers or as Darth Vader, um, and you saw little girls dressed as princesses, and that was pretty much it. With the advent of The Force Awakens, with The Last Jedi, you're now seeing little girls dressed as Jedi. But not only that, I saw a little girl dressed as um, Elena of Avalor. Elena of Avalor is the first Hispanic princess in uh, the Disney world, right? In the Disney pantheon. This little girl was dressed as Elena of Avalor with her big red fluffy dress. And she had a double-bladed Darth Maul lightsaber in her hand. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, she's a princess and she can mess you up. Like, this is... It's just for me this is so cool that like these these walls that have been set up for so long, you know, boys are cowboys and girls are princesses, like that doesn't exist anymore. You know, you can be whatever you want and like they're doing it at Disney man and it's it's friggin' awesome. And like the fact that my son was like, Dad, I wanna get a lightsaber and I was like, Yeah, you do and he was like, I wanna build Darth Vader's lightsaber and I was like okay let's do it like <laughs> I couldn't have been prouder, man. He was it, it, it's just so cool that we're seeing these things and like people, some people they're complaining about it. Like, oh, they're making it too inclusive. You know, well, Star Wars was never like this is not my Star Wars. Like, who cares, man? Everybody gets to enjoy it now. Like, it's it's a good time. 
And I don't see why this is a problem. I don't see how it can possibly be a problem. Well, I know that was a rhetorical question, but I do actually have an answer. Um, I was, uh, I I had um, a volunteer thing today. Uh, That was why I I couldn't come on until later. Um, I was uh, with a group from my church. We were uh, feeding the homeless uh, with McKenna's wagon at a Martha's table downtown. And um, we were, um, I was talking with the, the woman who leads the ministry for the church. And uh, we were talking about how things have become tribal in nature in terms of the way that people approach um, their, the, the decision-making as far as uh, what candidates to support and what positions that they want to espouse. And um, it, it, part of part of what's happening, and I appreciate uh, your observations about something as simple as uh, traditional um, sexual roles, yeah, and male female uh, gender identity and stuff like that. And you know what was acceptable at one time was for little girls to be princesses and for little boys to be cowboys or whatever, and. You know, but there were some little girls, you know, like Wrangler Jane and F Troop, you know, well, she wanted to be a cowboy and, you know, you were had to be a rebel. It's just like some little boys wanted to be princesses. And well, you know, you you had to be a rebel if that's the direction that you were going in. But one of the things that we are coming to learn today is that um, adherence to these traditional uh, gender roles is um, is not necessarily uh, what is most positive uh, for a child's development. And uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, little girls being more aggressive or with little boys being more passive, you know. But there is a segment of the population that has enjoyed certain benefits up till now. And what they see is, uh, they or they perceive that there is a loss of stature and status. And um, they are blaming uh, a more permissive sort of atmosphere culturally, and um, immigrants or minorities uh, for this. And uh, so uh, there is a lot of progressive types of, of stuff that is seen as a threat now uh, as a result of that. Which and, is just sad. Um, I mean, really. Yeah, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, I'm just saying it's, it's sad that, I mean, then maybe it comes from, Maybe you had to be in the minority at some point. And, you know, people look at me and they're just like, well, how are you in the minority? You're a generic looking white guy. I, I'm Jewish. And that doesn't sound like it's that big of a thing, but it is. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Um, being growing up and meeting kids and you're talking to them and they're like, oh, you know, hey, we do this and we have this and oh, we play on the same soccer team and we're playing on the same baseball team. And, you know, we go to the mall on the weekends, and then they're like, oh, but Sundays we're going to Mass. What Mass are you going to? And you're like, I don't go to Mass. I'm Jewish. And they look down on you. That changes uh-huh. things. It, it does. And and you become you become an outcast because of something as simple as this is the thing that I've been believing because this is what my parents believed and this is what their parents believed becomes a dividing point. And it when you get made to feel like an outcast – if if you can't identify with other people who are fe- who are made to feel like outcasts or pushed aside, there's something very wrong with you. And it's something that I've always believed. Like everybody should have that step up. It shouldn't just be for 
the privileged. It shouldn't just be for the people who have always had it. Everyone should have that opportunity to be lifted up, essentially. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's part of the problem is that the the status quo, the norm is getting shattered. And we're not seeing your typical, you know, clean cut, blonde hair, blue eyed, white hero always being the focal point. And those guys who have always emulated them are feeling threatened in a way, which, again, maybe that that's why the pro- there's the problem, is they've never had to identify with anybody else because they've always been able to identify with somebody that looks exactly like them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, speaking as somebody who had to identify with um, you know, other cultures because I didn't necessarily have that uh, example uh, of you know, somebody who looked like me. Um, you know, I can tell you it's not the kiss of death, you know, and in some ways, I think it makes somebody, it makes it easier for you to empathize yeah. with other people, exactly. you know, and, uh, but if you have never been in a position where you've had to empathize with anybody, it, that can be a very uncomfortable kind of circumstance in which to find yourself. And I have all the sympathy in the world, but, you know, in the same form or fashion as, you know, because at, at one time. And those listeners, uh, you know, who are of a certain age, you know, may not uh, understand uh, the term miscegenation, you know, may not be familiar with what that was, that that basically um, miscegenation was illegal. You know, that was when, you know, people of different races, uh, you know, wanted to have some kind of romantic connection. And, you know, people may not be aware, but that uh, even into the 1960s in the state of Virginia, it was illegal for people of different races to marry. I mean, you know, we're talking about the mid 1960s here. It's not that far. So, not that, no, not, that not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And, you know, at a time when, you know, people, I mean, geez, men had been into space you know? yeah. <laughs> and yet uh, it was illegal for people of different races to, uh, you know, to be married in the state of Virginia. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely astounding. Anyway. Yeah. Um, In the same way that, uh, you know, at one point there were a lot of people who believed that that was the case and that that was the natural order of things. And, um, you know, but then those people got older and either their attitudes changed or they died. And people (laughs) with more progressive sorts of attitudes came to the fore. And and that's where we are now. And, uh, you know, but yet those, those people who are clinging to this, to these old ideas, to this old way of life. I mean, they're hanging on by their fingertips because they recognize that things are getting ready to change, you know? I mean, and, you know, it's, it's never uh, a, a totally comfortable kind of thing, depending on what it was you were raised to believe. I mean, like, you know, take me, for example, I'm, I'm in my mid fifties and, um, you know, homosexuality was, uh, you know, something that was, uh, you know, frowned upon. And um, in some cases made light of, I mean, in fact, when I was coming up, if you couldn't make fun of anybody, you could always make fun of some gay people. And that's not what we call them. We call them something a lot uh, less kind. In any case, um, as I got older, uh, one of the things that happened with me was I I realized I didn't want to be on the wrong side of history. Now, um, the other thing was I happened to um, I I got to know more uh, more gay people. And, um, you know, some of the stereotypes uh, that I had been taught about, turns out they didn't really exist. You know, they, they, they weren't, that, that stuff wasn't 
always, well, wasn't consistently accurate, let's say. The other thing is you recognize that people are, are people, um, regardless of, uh, of who they love. You know, I mean, I, one of the things that I think about American culture is that we're far too hung up on what color somebody is and who somebody's sleeping with. If we could be less concerned about those two things, that we'd be more on our way to getting somewhere where we could build uh, trust and understanding among and between people. But, you know, what can you do? Anyway, yep. though, so, you know, and I, hey, all right, so I might not necessarily agree with, um, you know, a gay lifestyle or whatever, but there's going to be no amount of people being gay that is going to make my kids gay. And heck, even if my kids did turn out to be gay, well, you know, I, I'd have to accept that and I'd have to love them anyway. But I'd say the, th the biggest thing with me, and because I was all about, um, we call it uh, uh, the, um, oh crap, I can't think of, uh, I can't think of what they, but it's not a marriage. It's the... Um, what, a civil union? Civil union, exactly. Thank you. And so I was all for that. And then the, my home state, state of New Jersey, recognized civil unions. Well, what happened was there was uh, a gay couple that had a civil union. One of them was uh, in an accident, critically injured, was in um, the hospital in intensive care. Well, the other partner came to the hospital, uh, wanted to see them, and was denied access to intensive care because uh, they were told you had to be a direct family member if you were going to go in intensive care. And they said, well, look, we have a civil union. And the hospital was like, well, we don't understand what that is. Now, I don't know whether the hospital was just acting ugly or they genuinely didn't know what a civil union was. But at that moment, I was like, well, now, damn, y'all have got me now. I got to support gay marriage because nobody doesn't know what a marriage is. OK, yeah. so, you know, obviously, if it's not that whole separate but equal thing, yeah. sometimes if it's separate, it can't possibly be equal. Yeah. So, you know, consequently, I had to change the way that I looked at all of this and you know, I mean, I'm not going to say that it was easy exactly. I wasn't drag kicking and screaming to it. But, yeah. you know, I also, again, wasn't going to be on the wrong side of history with some of this stuff. And I can tell you that your Nazis, your, you know, other fascists, your white supremacists, these people are, they are on the wrong side of history. And that's where they're going to end up in the dustbin of history yeah. if they don't if they don't recognize that they need to change, you know, and that's all sorts of people. I mean, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here because, uh, you know, ordinarily I don't, um, I don't necessarily broadcast some political ideas, but we have a, uh, there's a guy on the city council here in Washington, DC. And, uh, he suggested, uh, a few weeks ago that, um, Jewish bankers somehow yeah, I... have something to do with, um, uh, controlling the weather. I read about you know? him. He's he's an interesting fellow. He uh, was at the he was at the he's Holocaust. An idiot. He, yeah, yeah, he's an idiot. yeah. I mean, I had a I had a worse word for him. I mean, my, I mean, hear all that Arnold Schwarzenegger say it. You son of a bitch. Um, he he was at the Holocaust Museum today, and he left early. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and and people were trying to ask him, like, oh, well, what do you think? You know, you saw. And he wouldn't answer. He was on his cell phone the entire time. And the joke, the joke going around was, is he was on the cell phone with the person who had told him that the Jews controlled the weather in the first place. <laughs> Are you sure they control the weather? Because I just saw some pretty messed up stuff, man. Like it's yeah. Well, some of it, honestly, is that um, clearly 
uh, he wasn't taught certain things. Like, for example, I understand that he went to the Holocaust Museum with um, some of his uh, staff members. And apparently, uh, as they were being shown around, they had a rabbi who was conducting the tour. And at one point, the rabbi was telling them about the Warsaw Ghetto and how the uh, Jews who lived in the ghetto were, um, you know, a sense uh, walled in. And uh, one of his, uh, the, the gentleman's name is Treon White, one of um, Councilman White's staff people asked, oh, was it like a gated community? And the rabbi said, well, no more like a prison. And, uh, but, and I, I initially, I thought it was an absurd kind of comment, but depending on where you grew up and uh, what sort of things it was that you were exposed to, what you were taught, um, you know, because quite frankly, uh, I think this is why a lack of understanding of history is why you have a lot of people today. I mean, apparently there's like a third of people who don't believe that the Holocaust actually took place. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I, the numbers are so staggering. I could see how separated from this somebody could be skeptical. I mean, yeah. you're, you're telling me that six million people were exterminated over a period of just a couple of years. I mean, that's, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. But my wife and I were talking about it earlier today, and we're old enough to where, you know, there were more people who, who had experienced this. In fact, there was a woman who was a Holocaust survivor who came to my wife's school when she was younger. And, you know, I mean, I'm talking tattooed and everything, you know. And when I say tattooed, for those of you who don't know, um, when you uh, got to these camps, the Nazis gave you a numbered tattoo so they could identify you. And we're not talking about like, you know, a, a seal or something like yeah, that. Exactly. I mean, it's not like something cool. Tattooed a number it's, it's not like a Japanese symbol that everybody gets now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. You know. So but hey, there again, if if you are not somebody who is familiar with uh, history or been exposed to certain things, you're 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 simply not gonna know. So some of it is just is just ignorance, but you know, there has to be a certain willingness to accept some ideas. If you're going to buy into some of this, yeah. is the other well, the, side. The thing, so, that, the uh, thing that gets mm-hmm. me with it really the most is that um, the fact that people are just un, unwilling to accept history, and they're trying. Well, there's no way that it possibly could have been this way. And, and we'll kind of we'll we'll end on this note. And we'll go on to things a little more uplifting than <laughs> this depressing depressing thing we're mm-hmm. talking about right now. But like one of the things that um, they talk about in history with uh, the Holocaust in particular is the German nature, uh, just the, the way that they are as a people, to keep meticulous records of everything. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, I heard of it, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you want to sit there and you want to say that it didn't exist, then why do the Germans have such meticulous records of every single person that they kept and incarcerated and killed and tortured and all of these other they, things? Like They, I, they I, tried I, to burn some of that stuff. They didn't get rid of all of it, no. and, and you're right. I mean, a exactly. lot of the, the allies seized a bunch of these things and you know that's but see this is also part of the reason that people record miraculous events i mean i I, i'm sure that i well you if you were to write down some of the things that i know this case with me if i I was to write down some of the things that happened to me and somebody read them a hundred years from now some people would be like oh that didn't happen yeah exactly but it's like i gotta tell you some of this stuff as as unlikely as some of it sounds, man, this yeah. is why people record unique 
events, you know, so that there will be some sort of historical record by which these yeah. events will be remembered. You know, that's yeah. a really interesting thing, too. And, like, I swear, we're going to go back to talking about movies, guys, if you're still listening. Um, by the way, this is GGR Pirate Radio Live. Uh, my name is Mike Lunsford. We are joined by Ulysses Campbell of Fantastic Forum. We were talking movies, and then we started talking about kind of the uh, the culture of negativity, but also of entitlement, of the insanity that of some people not believing that the Holocaust exists. Yeah, we, we go all over the place here, guys. There is no forum, really, or no format. We're, we're all over the place. Um, one of the things that was interesting, I was reading, they were talking about history, and they were saying that the, the history, the, the time that we live in right now, is going to be very lost to history because there's not much written anymore. And all of our stuff is digital. All of our history is digital. Everything is, on, is saved digitally. But if you think, like, let's say, for instance, that some sort of cataclysm happens and everybody's wiped out. But the only thing that's left over is hard drives and flash drives and the memory on our phones, whatever, right? But it's 200 years before anybody's able to find this. Do you really think they're going to have the exact same technology to be able to read the hard drives that we have? Plus, a hard drive isn't going to store the data for that long. It's going to eventually deteriorate and there won't be anything left. So our entire society, which is kept on a cloud drive, essentially, is more or less gone. And that was like... That like made me. I had like I had like a sick feeling in my stomach when I thought of that. I was like, my God, everything we do and everything we say is just going to be lost because none of it is recorded or written down anywhere other than in like a giant computer bank. So like we have to keep our society afloat in order for other people to know that we even existed. And that's like that's scary. Um, I think Batman has given us the signal here. All right, let's move on. Um. The other movie, I, I, the main reason, well, there's lots of reasons I like having you on the show because you're you're a great guy to talk to, Yuli. But I don't know much about Thanos. I don't know much about the Infinity War other than he's this big purple dude. He's got a glove and it's got a bunch of rocks in it, and the rocks came from various places. One of them being um, the Tesseract. Uh, one of them is that weird rock that's in um, Vision's head, and there's a bunch of other ones that I, I, I don't remember. Um, I'm not a huge Marvel fan in general. I've become a Marvel fan because of these movies, to be perfectly honest. Other than the X-Men, the X-Men I grew up on. But the rest of the guys, I just I knew who they were, but I wasn't really well-versed in their history. Why is Infinity War such a big deal? Why is everybody... Because like, it, it didn't start off like this. A lot of people were just kind of like ho-hum about this. But in the last month or so, it's really started to pick up some steam. Why is Infinity War going to be something that everybody needs to watch? Well, okay. Um, I don't necessarily think that it is. Okay. <laughs> but, All right. You know, let's, no, no, no. But, but let's, let, let's run with this. Um, because all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films apparently have been building to leading to this. I think there are 18 films to date. And, uh, you know, they have created this shared universe. And they built this thing up. Now, I don't necessarily think that that is the best or wisest thing. We'll have to see what happens once they get to the next movie after this, which is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I think it's very difficult once you have built up to one of these uh, multi-character events uh, to go back to something simpler and to have your audience be satisfied with that. But I suppose all of that remains to be seen. Uh, but uh, the character Thanos was created by uh, Jim Starlin and uh, Mike Friedrich. And 
first appeared actually in an issue of Iron Man. Uh, he is uh, also called the Mad Titan. Yeah. Um, one of these outer space guys. Uh, it didn't always start out with the uh, these Infinity Gems and, and all that stuff. And they've taken some liberties uh, from what was in the comics. Uh, for example, it wasn't the Vision uh, that had the Soul Gem. Uh, it was Adam Warlock. And, um, you know, but and in fact, Thanos initially uh, was trying to control the Cosmic Cube, uh, what has become known in the comics as the Tesseract, because they could do basically the same thing. Um, you know, you held the cube and it enabled you to alter reality. I mean, basically anything you thought came, became reality. And, you know, that's essentially what the Infinity Gauntlet does. You know, you've brought all these Infinity Stones like the Soul Gem and the Time Gem and, you know, the whatever, all these various gems, you know, because there's six of them. And, uh, you know, you put them all on the gauntlet and the whole thing is designed to alter reality as we know it. So um, anyway, though, uh, to make a long story short, Thanos uh, was uh, in love with death, basically, uh, or at least the, um, the physical personification of death. And that was very interesting, too. I mean, the character sort of hit uh, a high point. I mean, he originally appeared in Iron Man, but, you know, did not uh, sort of become fully realized uh, until... Um, Captain Marvel, and that's Marvel, uh, the Cree soldier who ultimately uh, became cosmically aware and sort of champion of life kind of guy and whatever. Anyway, though, um, so uh, Marvel uh, was fighting Thanos. Also, Drax the Destroyer. Apparently, he existed only to destroy Thanos, uh, you know, rather than Ronan or, you know, what have you, like it was in the um, Guardians of the Galaxy. In any case, uh, they had this Infinity War. I mean, I've actually got the um, – because that was another one of these multi-part things. And, uh, yeah, I read it, and it's like, okay. I mean, I I, kind of had it by that time. I mean, I thought the whole Cosmic Cube thing was big enough. I mean, why are we going back to that now? And, you know, but Thanos was a, you know, pretty dangerous big bad. I mean, this guy, he's sort of the Marvel version of Darkseid from DC and uh, yeah, like I said, pretty, pretty dangerous, big, bad. And somebody who genuinely, you know, if you got the Avengers and the fantastic four and the defenders and the guardians of the galaxy together, you know, it would take pretty much all of these teams of superheroes acting in concert to be able to take this guy on. But yeah, only because uh, the whole Marvel cinematic universe saga has been building to this and uh, it it has the feeling of one of these multi-part comic book crossovers that became so very popular uh, in more recent years uh, is why this thing is uh, truly significant and why I think it's going to be embraced by general audiences. It's just it's it's a it's a different sort of thing for Marvel because. They started off with Iron Man, and Iron Man was relatively grounded in reality yeah. to to, that's to the, a certain that's extent. That's the best of the films so far. I, I'm I'm I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm, I think it's the best one they've done so far. Um, but then you got Captain America, which is a little out there. Okay, he was frozen in the ocean for 
80 years or, or what was it, 50 years or whatever? No, 70 years. <laughs> 70, I, but 70 hey, years, but yeah. it started out, I mean, he was only yeah. frozen in ice for 20 years. You yeah. know, because <laughs> yeah. hey, they went into the ice in 1945, came out in 1965. And, you know, since he's been around, they have to keep making it a longer period that he was in the ice. Since obviously, if he came out of the ice in 65, well, Hey, that's like 50 years ago now. So, <laughs> and none of these people age, or at least not the way that uh, that we do. You know. Yeah, and like in general, though, like I didn't when they started getting into the the cosmic stuff. When you started seeing Thor show up, and you started seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy, they were fun movies and all, but it just it, it kind of lost the same vibe. And I was I was fine with it. it. It's it's fine, and I'll probably go and I'll end up going to see Infinity War. Just so I can talk to you about it, basically. Um, but also, Steve's gonna go see it, so I've got to see it. Otherwise, I'm not gonna be cool. Um, but I, ultimately, I'm not really that jazzed about it. I think it'll be an interesting story, but I, I prefer the individual stories more than the ensembles because you get to really learn all of the ins and outs of a character instead of just trying to get 15 to 20 minutes of them while you have to cram in 10 other characters. It's just it's. I'd rather learn more about one character than a lot than a little about a bunch. And I still have to see Black Panther, as a matter of fact. So I definitely can't see Infinity War until I've seen that. Um, well, you know, the, the problem with a lot of these ensemble movies is that you don't do all the characters justice. And even a film like Guardians of the Galaxy, while it was very well, and it was a fun movie, don't get me wrong. It was a lot of fun. But some of those characters were so two-dimensional so underdeveloped, they'd, if you turn them sideways, they'd have disappeared, you know? I mean, what did we really know about Gamora, for example, in that yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. We knew nothing about it. If she was one of them I'm talking about, he turned sideways, she disappears. What passed for character development with the raccoon was him getting drunk and complaining about how he was basically a science experiment. You know, you didn't, there wasn't enough time to develop these characters. What The reason Avengers worked was because you had separate movies that had already established who these individual characters were. So you didn't have to spend that time on exposition and character development. You could get right into the story and having them mix up. But in terms of, and this is part of the reason why I didn't agree when a lot of people were saying, oh, DC should use uh, the Marvel uh, diagram and you know as a blueprint to how to make their movies and do like the same kind of thing. You know, I... I you don't want to spend all these separate movies developing the characters to throw them all together. I mean, that's not really necessary. And, you know, do your own thing. I mean, the DC characters have been popular a lot longer than the Marvel characters have been. If you just allow your characters to be who they are, as opposed to trying to copy these other people, you'd be fine, you know? And yet Hollywood being the imitative place that it is, you know, everybody wants to try and emulate uh, somebody else's success. And so they're going to try and use that as a formula for how to do it. And it's just unfortunate because it's, it's, it's really not necessary. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's – that's DC for you though. I mean, we've, we've talked about that. Warner Brothers is old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. They, they only know what they know, and that's, that's pretty much it. They're, they're not willing to uh, do anything else. Um, I want to pivot to – the other movie that I have on our list that I want to discuss. I want to talk about Deadpool too, because we've talked about infinity war, which I mean, we, we talked about, there's kind of like a, 
a vibe that goes with it. Same thing with with solo. Um, there's a there's a vibe going on to it because there's been not, I wouldn't say negative press, but people have been critical of Disney uh, with Star Wars. People have been critical of Marvel, saying you know when is the bubble going to burst on on all of these successful Marvel films. I feel like Deadpool doesn't care one way or the other. They're going to make their fun, tongue-in-cheek, fourth-wall-breaking superhero flick, and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it, just like I enjoyed the first one. Like, I, I don't see... They don't seem to have that same pressure on their shoulders because I don't think anybody expected Deadpool to be really anything. Kind of just like the character. Kind of left for dead. And... Hmm. That movie was so incredibly successful, but it was also it was it was probably one of the most fun comic book movies I've seen in in at least half a decade. And Deadpool two looks like it's going to do the same thing. I can't wait to see Josh Brolin as Cable. That looks like a lot of fun because those two are going to play off each other, with Cable being essentially the straight man to Deadpool's um, shtick that he does. Like I, I'm 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 actually I think that's the one I'm most excited about is Deadpool two. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not really a fan of Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> I know you're you not. Know, that that character, um, it, he's not one that uh, I was ever especially enamored with. Um, I knew very little about him. I mean, I ultimately saw the uh, the movie, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, I'm not. You know, part of the issue for me with Deadpool. I mean, he's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, I'm. I, I mean, in the sense that. That whole a comic book character that understands that they're in a comic book, um, you know, I'm not I'm not as entertained by that. And you know, don't get me wrong, I know a lot of people who really like the character. I don't have anything against him. Um, you know, I just tend to be something of a uh, of a purist. And I, I mean, there's a place for comedy. There's a place for drama. Um, you know, the fact that this guy is sort of doing them simultaneously. Yeah. It kind of bothers me. It was the same kind of thing for me, though, with uh, Firefly. I'm like, are you a science fiction show or are you a Western? You can't be both. You know, it's like this whole, you know, splitting the, uh, you know, genre thing. And, you know, we're, we're I, I, that, you know, I, 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 I insist that you pick a side <laughs> yeah. and then stick to that side. I gotcha. You know? Yeah. It, it was, it was more so that like in a, in a world where, comic book movies are too serious like it that that's why i liked deadpool so much was that it didn't take itself so seriously i mean like batman vs superman was very very heavy and oh god yes that that movie could have benefited from a little deadpool yeah know? exactly and like same thing with the marvel movies is the marvel movies have gotten so such good response in general that like they've almost kind of believe their own hype. And a perfect example with that one is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where it was it was okay. I mean, we talked about this on your show. It was all right. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Same thing with Thor Ragnarok. They're, they're enjoyable films, but they're the same formula. It's the same thing over and over again. And, and they're just, they're churning them out. But the thing is, is like, it keeps working and they keep making millions of dollars. You know, why are you going to stray away from something that's going to make you money? And well, and that's the question. But yeah. see, the, the other side of that coin is why do people make movies in the first place? And this is one that I haven't really been able to settle on because do you make movies because you're trying to make money? Do you make movies because 
you're trying to tell a really good story. You make movies because you have something inside you that you want to express that you're trying to share with other people, you know, some kind of artistic expression thing. I mean, why are people making movies? I mean, obviously an element to it is they have to be financially successful. I mean, they call it show business for a reason, but I, I appreciate what you're saying in terms of the formulaic nature of what Marvel has gotten down to doing now. And, you know, you're not taking any risks. You're following this formula. It's not a particularly creative kind of thing, even though it's being embraced by audiences. And this is the other side of it, because there are people who will argue with you till the cows come home about how wonderful Guardians of the Galaxy is. There's some people who straight up will swear it's Marvel's best movie so far. And I'm like, it is so far from being Marvel's best yeah. movie. It's not even funny. I mean, you might have enjoyed it. It might be the most fun of the Marvel movies. But this is where I think people sort of lose some objectivity in terms of the way that they, uh, the way they look at their feelings. And this is part of the reason I mentioned what I did, kind of to bring it full circle, about managing one's expectations. Because I haven't always been especially good at that. Now, just because I like something doesn't mean that it's good. There's a lot of stuff that I like that, t- that I like that totally sucks. Okay, but I am objective enough about it to say to, to understand. Well, I like this, but it sucks. It totally sucks. And um, you know, I got all hyped. I remember I saw Iron Man two, and I walked out of the theater for Iron Man two. I was so hyped, Mike. I was like, it's the greatest superhero movie of all time. And then after I had a chance to sleep on it, I was like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even as good as the first Iron Man, which the first Iron Man is actually one of the three best superhero movies of all time. But I digress. So um, but part of what got me was the way that they presented some of that. And I'll tell you exactly what the scene was, too. It was when they were in Monte Carlo or Monaco. I'm sorry. On the racing track. Yeah. And um you know, uh, the, um, the the Whiplash character uh, came onto the track and he was wearing the coveralls, but he turned on his gear and the coveralls started burning off of him. And then he extends the whips and he was whipping the asphalt and the whips were leaving welts in the asphalt. I started screaming when the coveralls were burning off of him. And by the time he was whipping the asphalt, I was in a frenzy, man. I was like, this is the greatest stuff I'd ever seen, you know? Uh, but it was it was how they presented it, not so much what it was. And, you know, you dress up some stuff, and that was what happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. And people are laughing, and you're having a good time, and they dress the thing up, and, you know, here's the guy, and he's like, dance off, bro. Yeah, come on, you know? I mean, you know, how can you not enjoy that? Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous, <laughs> but how can you not enjoy it? But again, that doesn't mean that it was good storytelling. You know, that doesn't mean that they were well-developed characters. You know, I mean, so people lost objectivity. And, well, uh, you know. I think that kind of brings us full circle, though. That takes us back to Star Wars. One of the knocks that a lot of people have had on Star Wars, now that Disney owns its rights, Disney is like, we got Star Wars. We're going to do every single possible Star Wars thing we can do. We're going to have a movie every single year. We're going to have a TV series. Oh, shoot. We'll have two TV series and we'll have video games. 
are we going to get oversaturated with Star Wars? Is there going to be a point where it is too much and people are going to get sick of it? No, <laughs> no, not at all. And, and let me tell you why. Um, I remember back when the first Star Wars movie came out. Okay, I was in high school at the time. And uh, there was some research that I happened to see on the merchandise sales for Star Wars. And uh, based on the research that was conducted at the time, now bear in mind, there was only, excuse me, a new hope. <laughs> I'm calling it Star Wars yeah. because that's what we called it at the time. That that's was the name was, of the movie. Yeah. There was only the one, okay? So um, they didn't get to that whole episode thing until Empire Strikes Back. And that's with episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. And we're like, oh, okay. So now they're divvying it up. Anyway, so, but long story short, uh, the the research indicated that from that one movie alone, they would be able to continue selling toys for another 25 years, okay, based on that one movie alone. Now, what that tells me is there was a thirst for stuff that came from that movie. And so rather than satiate that thirst you really create more demand the more of the stuff that you give the audience. And on top of that, I mean, you know, they were talking about me and my generation. I mean, now they got younger people. There's you, there's your son. You know, I mean, there's Mike. I mean, there, there are kids now who are coming up and they're into this. I mean, this is like modern mythology to them. I mean, they're, parents and their grandparents love this thing and you know so they're they're all in i mean they're essentially trying to conform by by liking it and now you're bringing in a whole new crop of folks so all of a sudden it's not luke and han who are the heroes anymore all of a sudden you've got um you know ray who's a heroine you know you've got um uh, what's this? Uh, the, the the I can't think of Rose Tico. Yeah, all this. You know, I mean, you you're expanding uh, the. You know, you've got um, Finn. You've got um, uh, what you call it? Uh, uh, the the Hispanic guy. Got oh, yeah. Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. Yeah. Po Dameron. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all of a sudden now there are all these different ethnic groups and sexual, you know, races, you know, sexes that have their own heroes. I, I, I at awesome con I so saw, I saw so many women dressed up like Ray. Oh my God! Every every you couldn't turn around when as the, as the expression goes. What you say? You couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody dressed as Ray. You know? I mean, it was they were all over the place. You know? Yeah. So um, you know, and and why not? I mean, there's been this hunger because if you were a girl, if you didn't cosplay Princess Leah, well, there was nobody. You know? Now there's a whole bunch of somebodies. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of somebody. Some of them probably look like you. And if they're smart, they're, you know, down the pike, they're going to introduce more characters, more ethnicities, yeah. you know, and, and that's going to draw people in further, you know, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm with you. It kind of tying it back to what we talked about before. The more we get, the better, because it just means that more people can be exposed to it. More people can love the same things that, that, that we love. Um, mm -hmm. we got a couple more minutes here. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up at, uh, at nine 30 here. Uh, so your, your show, you've got Arlington mm -hmm. in the morning. Mm -hmm. You've got fantastic forum, mm -hmm. but fantastic forum. Tell, tell us a little bit about this. Like what is, what's the deal with fantastic forum? Is it, 
Is it a TV show? Is it a radio show? Is it a podcast? Is it a breakfast cereal? Like, where can we get <laughs> Fantastic Forum? Well, apparently it's all of those. Uh, but there's a website, uh, fantasticforum.tv. And uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked. We like to be followed. And uh, the um, basically the website will tell you uh, everything you need to know about where you can find the show. The show is on uh, in on 10 different stations uh, on the East Coast. We're on in uh, New York. We're on in Philadelphia. We're on in Baltimore. We're on in Washington, D.C., Montgomery County, uh, Fairfax County, uh, in Arlington, um, you know, a variety of places. And uh, there are broadcast schedules uh, for all of those different places. You can also watch the individual episodes uh, via the website. Uh, they are, you know, all available online. And uh, the radio show uh, comes on in the Arlington, Virginia market. Thanks to you, it's also available as a podcast. But it's on in first run every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. from 4 to 5. It re-airs in Arlington Mondays uh, from 12 to 1. And, uh, you know, that too is available uh, via um, Mixcloud. It's available via iTunes. Uh, the various movie reviews are available via SoundCloud, now also iTunes. Um, and it's, uh, you know, the, the object is total world domination. <laughs> Nothing less here, basically. You one know, we are, one of these days. You, know, uh, you know, taking, kicking ass and taking names one geek at a time and, uh, you know, because now we're we've gone mainstream, and uh, for all these people who were disenfranchised and uh, no place to turn, no place to express the fandom, you know, sort of like GGR. You know, yeah. we are, uh, you know, we're building a community, and uh, very excited about it, and particularly for the opportunity to interact with others who enjoy the same stuff that we do, and uh, you know, creating this. Uh, ongoing dialogue about these things that uh, that we care about. Exactly, exactly. I, I wanted to, at, at one point we were talking about what we were going to discuss for this episode. We talked about uh, <laughs> you being uh, the geek of the week for uh, the month of uh, April, but we didn't even get into that. It's, it's fine. Well, maybe we'll talk about this later. But basically, like, there, guys, last month, if you listened to last month's episode that we did with uh, Justina Johnson, um, who is an incredibly talented music, uh, musician, which you can find her at Lato, L-A-T-O, music.com. Um, we had her in the studio. She was our Geek of the Week for last month. Um, Yuli, without going into great detail, is our Geek of the Week for this month just because he's doing what is he's passionate about. I mean, he's doing a radio show. He's doing a podcast. He's doing a TV show. He's he, he's an actor. He's been in, He's been on Homeland, man. Like, that's pretty awesome. Oh, um, man, I've been a Captain America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> that's the one that that's I the like. one. That's the one you're proudest of? That That is pretty awesome. Like, hey, but look, that, like, in all fairness, let me yeah. tell you something. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is – I feel like um, – <laughs> well, okay. I was watching an old clip from The Tonight Show. Yep. And uh, they had Johnny Carson. And Johnny Carson, you know, of course, he was long dead now. He was young. Yeah. And uh, he was standing up there and he said, hi, my name is Johnny Carson. And I'm up on stage because they wouldn't let me sit in the audience. And everybody's cracking up. It's something similar with me. I can't get a real job, you know, so <laughs> I have to do this other stuff. And, yeah. you know, it just so happens uh, much of it does not pay me. Some does not pay me especially well. But, uh, you know, I mean, this is 
what I'm trying to do to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, it's uh, some of it's fun, like I said, but, uh, and I tell my kids all the time and I'm telling you all out there listening, get as many credentials as you can keep your options open. It's not that I have no options. It's simply that they are narrow. They are extremely narrow. And so I have to keep doing some of this stuff because I have absolutely no choice. So you're saying is it takes what you can get. Uh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it all boils down to. One of these days when you're, you're accepting like an Oscar or something like that, you'll be like, I just, I couldn't find any other work. So here I am. I'd like to thank the Academy. Boy, that'd be great. Say, <laughs> so I'll never have to audition again. There you go. Yeah, you just show up and they pay you. It'll be awesome. Uh, folks who have turn- tuned in tonight, let me thank you very much um, for anybody who, whether it was through GGR, whether it was through Rock Deep Rogue Radio, my other project, whether it was via Instagram, you saw my shenanigans on there and you decided to tune in. Let me thank you very, very much. Uh, but also let me thank my guest. Uh, let me thank uh, Ulysses Campbell. You can find him at fantasticforum.tv, which you can watch episodes on the website. You can also find where you might be able to watch that by, via your local cable provider. Uh, you can listen to his podcasts via iTunes, which you just look up uh, Fantastic Forum Podcast. It's right there. You'll be able to find it. Um, he's on WERA, which is out of Arlington. It's 96.7 FM. Uh, which is 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. Yeah. And then you've got Fantastic Forum, which is uh, Saturdays at 4. And then you replayed, uh, you said Mondays at at Mondays at noon. There you Mm -hmm. go. And, Mike, let me just add my thanks uh, to yours for Uh anybody who tuned in because – you know, we a stream of consciousness takes you in all sorts of interesting places. Yeah, and uh, man, we went down the rabbit hole like a bug. You know, we today. did. And so we did. Anybody who stuck with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and very thought provoking, and I certainly hope that people uh, had their thoughts provoked to new and possibly dangerous places. Uh, you know, because um, we can't allow any of this stuff that's going on now to become normalized. You got to recognize how unprecedented. All of this is, and yeah. you have to resist. You know, but bless my wife. I woke up the day after the election, and I was like, "We got to get the hell out of here." And she's like, "We got to fight." I'm like, "Fight! We lost. We got to run. <laughs> we got to <laughs> escape." And uh, you know, but that wasn't my situation. And so here I am. And uh, you know, I guess we're, you know, we're part of, uh, we're part of the underground. We're part of the resistance. We're part of the rebellion. I'm okay with know? that, man. That was that was a cool thing too on on the Star Tours ride. Part of the new um, scenario that they have set up is um, you're going on a tour of the galaxy, right? You know they're just going to fly mm-hmm. you around the galaxy. You get to do some cool stuff. And they now there's now a rebel spy on board the ship, and the Empire or the First Order, depending on which ride video you get, is trying to stop you. Jax was mm-hmm. the rebel spy. <laughs> and he was so happy and excited. He was like, I'm the rebel spy. He was going around telling everybody in the park. <laughs> he was like, I'm the rebel spy. I'm the rebel spy. And he, he, when he, when he met BB-8, he told BB-8 that he was the rebel spy. It was just, it was, yeah. it was super, it was super cool. And like, I'm all for the rebellion. I'm all for it. Let's do it. You know, like one of the things that I do, we're, we're pirate radio, you know, we're rebels. We, we do what we want. So I'm all for it. Um, what has become a tradition when it comes to closing this show out, we're going to close with uh, a little bit of uh, Toto's Africa, but the 8-bit version because 
We're, we're nerds. Why not go with something that sounds like it was made on the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System? So, here we go. Guys, make sure you check out the website. It is greatgeekrefuge.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. I don't check Twitter, so don't hit me up there. Hit me up on the website. That's the best way to do it. Um, but for Steve Monick, who's uh, at home, sick with his baby Jack, um, we hope uh, Jack feels better soon. Indeed. For For Andy Barsh, who is a constant contributor on GGR. For Jay Dilla. For Zombie Ben. For all of our other contributors out there. And also for Mr. Ulysses Campbell for joining us tonight. My name is Mike Lunsford, and this has been GGR Pirate Radio. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!